Amen. All right, well, we're there in Genesis chapter 39. And of course, on Sunday mornings, we've been going through a sermon series entitled Helping People Reach Their Full Potential. And we have been looking at a lot of different areas in which uh, we can reach our full potential, a lot of different uh, areas of life and seasons of life. Of course, I started this series uh, with a sermon entitled Untapped Potential, and we talked about the fact that we all have potential uh, that we can develop, and none of us are developing our full potential, but we talked about things that we can do to help us fulfill our potential. Then I preached a sermon, a general sermon to all of us again on the subject of helping you individually reach your full potential, and then we spent the last several weeks being very specific. Uh, I preached a sermon on the subject of how to help your husband reach his potential, a sermon to the wives, and then a sermon to the husbands on how to help your wife reach her full potential. Uh, I preached on how to help your children reach their potential. We have, on Mother's Day, of course, preached on how to reach your full potential as a mother. And we've been going through it, and this morning is going to be, again, another very specific sermon. And this morning I'm preaching on the subject of how to reach your full potential as a teenager, how to reach your full potential as a teenager, and I'm specifically preaching to the teenagers this morning, and uh, you know, teens are important because they are the next generation, and uh, we've always valued young people here at our church, and uh, we've got a lot of, a lot of them. Our, our church uh, averages on Sunday mornings somewhere between 200 and 220 on, on Sunday mornings, and we uh, probably have around 20 teenagers in our church. Uh, which is a pretty good number. If, if the church is about 200 and then 10% of those are teenagers, that's a good, healthy number there. And, uh, of course, this last year we had our very first annual uh, youth rally, which was a conference for teenagers. Our teens were there from our church, but we had teens from other churches as well. We had 62 teens for our first uh, annual youth rally. So teenagers are important. Uh, we want to uh, invest in them, and we want to help them. So let me just say this about the, about the sermon for the adults. Uh, you're here for a sermon that I'm preaching towards the teenagers, so that's good news for you because this is a guilt-free sermon for you, all right? Uh, you're, you're old, and we just don't really care about you anymore. Uh, so and I, don't, I don't mean that, of course. But uh, you don't have to feel guilty about anything in this sermon because this sermon is geared for teens. I will say this. Please don't tune me out because the stuff that we talk about that's good for teenagers is good for not-so-teenagers also. Uh, and, and some of these things that we can apply to young people can be applied to not-so-young people as well. So make sure that you're paying attention. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, I'm not old and I'm not a teenager. I'm a kid. Well, you should listen as well because you're going to be a teen soon. And these will be things that can help you and, and that will be a blessing to you as well. Anytime the Word of God is open, it's good for us. Amen. And I would encourage you to not, not tune out and, and listen uh, to some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning, especially because of the fact as you read the Bible, you might notice, and you may or may not have noticed this, I don't know, but the Bible is full of stories of godly teens. Uh, I mean, the Bible is jam-packed with stories of young people that have made a difference for God. So God is interested in 
teenagers. And, and those teenage years are important years because they are transitional years. Those seven years from 13 to 19 years old are extremely important years. The Bible considers somebody an adult at 20 years old. I realize that's not what our, the laws of our country say, uh, but the Bible considers you an adult at 20 years old, and those teen years are important years. They are transitional years. The Lord has blessed my wife and I with six children, and two of our children uh, are now teenagers. Our two uh, sons, our oldest boys, are both teenagers. And something I, I've said to both of them, uh, something that we've said to both of them when they became teenagers, uh, was this. Now that you are a teen, you are not a child anymore. You are not a child. When you are a teenager, you are, you're not a child anymore. But you are not a man either. And this is, of course, me talking to, to boys. But you're not an adult either. You're, you're not a man for ladies. You're, you're not a woman uh, 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 either. When, when you are a teenager, you're not a child, but you're not a man. You're in this transitional phase where you are a young man. Uh, you're not, for, for girls, you're not a, a child, and you're, you're not a woman, you're not a, uh, but you're in this transitional phase where you are a young lady, and this is a very important phase uh, in life. So I want to give you seven statements this morning regarding how to reach your full potential as a teen. I want all the teens to, to, to listen up. In fact, let me, let's just do this. Let me, uh, I'd like to see uh, a show of hands. If you are 13 to 19 years old, and not married, all right? That's the key right there. Uh, if you are 13 to 19 years old and not married, raise your hand. I just want to see your hand. Raise your hand up. I'm putting all the teens on the spot, and they hate that, which is why I'm doing it. But uh, we've got hands all across the auditorium there. So we've got a lot of young people. Uh, all right, the sermon's for you. Okay, listen up. Mom and Dad, I expect a lot of na- head nodding and amen. And, uh, and, and, and we want to help these young people, of course. Seven statements regarding how to reach your full potential as a teen. Number one... To reach your full potential as a teen, uh, you must develop a close walk with God. Uh, You must develop a close walk with God. And we're here in Genesis 37 because here we have a very famous teen in the Bible. Genesis 37 and uh, verse number 1, the Bible says this, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Notice verse 2, These are the generations of Jacob, referring to his children. And then we see this phrase, Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren and held, uh, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Silpha, his father's wives, and Joseph uh, brought unto his father their evil report. And of course here in Genesis 37, we are introduced with this teenager, 17 years old, Joseph being 17 years old. And what's interesting about the book of Genesis is that the book of Genesis is a book of origins. The first uh, 11 chapters deal with the origins of man and uh, the origins of society and, 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 and mankind. And then, of course, from chapter 12 uh, to about Genesis 36, we have the origins of the nation of Israel. And we have the lives of Abraham and the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the 12 sons of Jacob. But then from Genesis 37 to really the end of the book, the rest of the book of Genesis is about this one young man, and we begin at 17 years old, Joseph. And Joseph is an incredible uh, character in the Bible. And one thing, and, and I, I, I could and I have preached entire sermons, uh, and we could do a whole series on the life of Joseph. In fact, I'm planning on doing an entire series 
on the life of Joseph, and I'm not going to do that uh, today, of course. But one thing that is highlighted about Joseph, though he was a teenager, 17 years old, he had a close walk with God. We see there in verse 2, Joseph being 17 years old. But flip over to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. You're in chapter 37. Just flip over a couple of chapters to Genesis 39. In verse number 1, Genesis 39, verse 1, I want you to notice what the Bible says, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And of course, if you're familiar with the story of Joseph, because of the envy of his brothers, they sold him into slavery, and now he has been taken down to Egypt as a slave, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, uh, uh, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. And I want you to notice this phrase, especially you young people. I want you to notice this phrase because this is not said about a 37-year-old man. It is not said about a 27-year-old man. It is said about a 17-year-old young man. Genesis 39 and verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph. It is possible for young people to develop a close walk with God. In fact, I would say that the years of a teenager are the perfect years to develop a close walk with God. And if you teenagers want to reach your full potential, you should determine to develop a close walk with God. Here, we're told that the Lord was with Joseph. And I want you to notice this is highlighted throughout his life. Look at verse number three. And his master saw. Whose master? His is referring there to Joseph. His master saw, notice it, that the Lord was with him. Not only is it possible for young people to have a close walk with God, but oftentimes when that close walk with God is a genuine thing, it will be identified by others. People will be able to see it. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did uh, to prosper in his hand. Look at verse 21, the same chapter. uh, Genesis 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. So to reach your full potential as a young person, to reach your full potential as a teen, you must develop a close walk with God. And I'd like you to keep your place there in Genesis. We're going to come back to it, Genesis 39. But go with me, if you would, to the book of Daniel, towards the end of the Old Testament. If you start maybe just right in the center of the Bible, you'll have the book of Psalms, of course, and after Psalms, you have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Remember that the Bible is filled with young people that served God. You've got some teenage kings in the Bible that did some great things for God and brought some revivals for the Lord. You've got young people like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Of course, you've got David, who was a young man when he slew Goliath. You've got the Bible filled with stories about young people that had a close walk with God. Now you go to Daniel chapter 1 if you would and let me read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 16. You go to Daniel chapter 1 and I'll read to you from 1 Samuel 16. This is is, uh, regarding David as a young man. 1 Samuel 16 18 says this, Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war. And by the way, this is being spoken to him uh, about him as a teenager and prudent in matters and a comely person. And then they say, they said this, and the Lord is with him. 
It's interesting that the Bible says about uh, Joseph that the Lord was with him. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And then we are told about David that the Lord is with him. And it's possible for young people to walk with God and to reach your full potential, young person. You must endeavor and decide that you will develop a close walk with God. That you yourself, not that I grew up in a Christian home. Now, I'm thankful you grew up in a Christian home, and I love the fact that you grew up in a Christian home, but it's not that you grew up in a Christian home or not that you were brought to church uh, by your parents, although I'm thankful that you are brought to church by your parents, but you've got to decide that I'm going to make this my personal walk, that I love God, and I'm going to get to know God, and I'm going to serve God, and I want the Lord to be with me because it is possible to be 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 and 19 years old and have have the Lord with you. So to reach your full potential as a teen, you should develop a close walk with God. Number two, I've got seven of these, so I'll try to move to them as quickly as I can. Not only should you develop a close walk with God, but to reach your full potential as a teen, you should develop personal biblical convictions. You should develop personal biblical convictions. In Daniel chapter 1, we have the story here of, of course, Daniel and his three friends. And if you're familiar with the story of Daniel, it's interesting because it's not very different than the story of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers who envied him. Daniel was taken into captivity uh, when Babylon had taken over Judea and specifically the city of Jerusalem. And Daniel finds himself in a foreign land away from his parents, away from his home, away from anything that he has known as authority. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 5, and the king appointed them, referring to these young people that had been kidnapped from their home, including Daniel and his three friends. The king, referring to Nebuchadnezzar, appointed them a daily provision. He, he made sure that they were fed and they had a daily provision. And the king's meat, and notice what it says, of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof, they might stand before the king. Here you've got the three Hebrew children, the four Hebrew children, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They are of the nation of Israel. They are under the Old Testament covenant, and they have been raised under this covenant. And of course, we as New Testament Christians don't follow the uh, dietary restrictions of the Old Testament, but these young people did. They had grown up to not eat certain meats and to not uh, consume certain things. And now they've been taken from their home. They're away from any sort of spiritual leadership, physical leadership, any authority, mom and dad, any priest or anyone that was of their authority. Now they're in this foreign land away from anyone they know. And the king is giving them a daily provision. And of course, Nebuchadnezzar, I believe, ends up getting saved later on in this book as a result of the influence of Daniel. But the king at this point is just saying, hey, you guys can have whatever meat you want. And he's even giving them wine. He's giving them alcohol. He gave them daily provision of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that uh, at the end of, uh, thereof they might stand before the king. Verse 6, Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And of course we know they are later renamed and given Babylonian names. Verse 8, notice what it says in verse 8. Every young person should know this verse, memorize this verse, underline this verse. The Bible says, but Daniel, a young man, but Daniel, away from mom, away from dad, 
away from his pastor, away from his priest, away from every authority. The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Daniel made a decision on his own when he was all alone, when no one would have blamed him to just go along, uh, to get along, and no one would have blamed him to just do. I mean, he's been kidnapped. But here's a young man with personal convictions. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel was a young man that had personal convictions. Now I want to encourage you young people, you need to develop your own personal biblical convictions. Now hopefully your parents have some rules for you and they should have some rules for you. And then maybe they have some rules for you regarding uh, the kind of music that you're exposed to or the, the way you dress or the things you watch and the, the, the influences in your home. And, and I, I hope, Mom and Dad, that you've got some boundaries for your children. You're not just giving them access to anything that they want. But you know, young people, even if, even if your parents say, well, my parents are worldly and they let me watch whatever and they let me dress however and they let me consume whatever... Let me tell you something, you can develop your own personal convictions and you should develop your own personal convictions where you decide, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to go there, I'm not going to listen to that, I'm not going to watch that, I'm not going to dress that, I'm not going to consume that, I'm not going to smoke that, I'm not going to inject that, I'm not going to drink that. You got to develop your own personal biblical convictions. And it's possible for a young person like Daniel, even away from mom and dad, to purpose in his heart that he would not defile himself. Reach your full potential as a teen. You have to develop personal biblical convictions. Personal convictions of, of separation and standards. But let me say this as well. Personal convictions regarding purity. Keep your place there in Daniel. Uh, we're going to come back to it. And go back to, with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis 39. Remember our friend Joseph? 17 years old. Finds himself in the same position as Daniel. Away from mom. Away from dad. He's been kidnapped sold into slavery, and he's been done wrong. But the Lord was with him. He had a walk with God. In Genesis 39 and verse 7, the Bible says this about Joseph. And it came to pass after these things. Remember, he was sold into bondage in Potiphar's house. The Bible says that his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. Here you have this woman, this married woman, who is trying to take advantage of this young man, and she's uh, trying to get him to lie with her, of course, referring to a physical uh, relationship. Notice verse 8, but he refused, this is Joseph, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath. Uh, to my hand. He said, my master, the word wadith means to know. He said, he doesn't, he, he knoweth not what is with me in the house. He hath committed all that he hath in my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me. Because Joseph was a, a, a hard-working young man. We're going to talk about that later in the sermon. He had been promoted. And pretty much Potiphar had put everything in the hands of Joseph and said, here, you run it. You're in charge. You, you be in charge. And here, Joseph is saying in verse 9, There is none greater in this house than I, neither have he kept back anything from me but thee. 
He said, my, my boss has said I can do anything, I can have anything. He hasn't kept back anything except you, his wife. He said, but thee, because thou art his wife. But then notice what Joseph says, and this shows you that the Lord was with Joseph and that Joseph had a walk with God and that Joseph had developed some personal biblical convictions of his own. He says, how then can I do this great wickedness? And the interesting thing is this, that, and we don't know this, but we can assume that what Potiphar's wife is saying to Joseph is, Joseph, just lie with me. No one's going to know. Potiphar's not going to know. Your mom's not going to know. Your dad's not going to know. Your pastor's not going to know. Nobody's going to know. Nobody even knows you're here. Nobody even cares. And Joseph's response is, how then can I do this great wickedness? And then he says this, and sin against God. Joseph said, Potiphar may not know, but God will know. My dad may not know, but God will know. My mom may not know, but God will know. And he had developed some personal convictions. Verse 10, And it came to pass that as she spake to Joseph day by day, and he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And notice again, this, she, she just won't stop. And she, she, the Bible says here in verse 12 that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And notice his response. And he left his garment in her hand and fled. Got him out. This is the Bible, this was, you say, how, how should young people deal with uh, this idea of fornication? How should they deal with this idea of, of purity? Well, number one, they need to make the personal decision and have the personal conviction that they're going to maintain their own purity. And when they find themselves in situations like the one that Joseph found himself in, you need to just run. The Bible says that he fled. He left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And this is what the Bible actually teaches regarding fornication. You don't have to turn there, but in 1 Corinthians 16, 18, the Bible says, flee fornication. That's what Joseph did. He ran. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth again his own body. And let me just say this and, and just take some time to speak to you young people. All of you rose your hand just a few minutes ago and said you're 13 to 19 years old. Let me just challenge you right now to make a decision in your life, to purpose in your life that you will maintain your purity. That you will not engage in a physical relationship before marriage. That you will save yourself and walk down the aisle one day and look at a future wife and look at a future husband and be able to say that you are pure and that you saved yourself for marriage. And that is a decision you need to make right now. That is not a decision you make when you are in the back of a vehicle with a member of the opposite sex. You've got a purpose in your heart right now that you're not even going to put yourself in a position like that. And if you find yourself in a position like that, you say, what do I do? Run! Flee fornication! And look, I'm emphasizing this idea of purity because of the fact that the Bible emphasizes it. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. The Bible tells us that there is a difference between other sins and the sins of sexuality. There is a difference between other sins and that physical relationship. 
Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And you may not understand it. And you may not think it's that big of a deal. And our culture has taught us that it's no big deal. And everyone's doing it. And you might as well uh, go down that road. But let me tell you something. There's a major difference between that sin and all other sins. So you've got to decide, I will maintain my purity. You may not understand the difference, and I don't know that I can necessarily explain to you the difference, but I can tell you this, as a pastor and as a pastor's wife, for the last 12 years, your, your, your pastor and your pastor's wife have done a lot of counseling with a lot of adults over, over many years, and, and it is a rare thing that people that are in their 30s and in their 40s are coming to us because their marriage is falling apart or because their lives are falling apart because they stole a sucker from the store. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because when their mom wasn't looking, they didn't eat all their broccoli and they fed it to the dog. Now, I'm not justifying that. I'm not saying that's right to do. But what I'm saying is those are not the types of sins that haunt you for the rest of your life. But oftentimes, we're dealing with 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds who did things in their teens that have haunted them and that have kept them in bondage for the rest of their lives. And I would submit to you that the best thing would be to just avoid it. Amen. Flee fornication. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. And this is in reference to young people that are not married. Look, what I've taught, this 12 years of ministry, I've not changed my position on this. I don't think it's good for teenagers to be touching each other. I don't, I don't think teenagers need to be holding hands or hugging or any of that. Amen. In fact, I've, I've taught, we've taught my, my sons, and I've told my sons, if, if, a, if, a, if a young girl puts her hand, even if it's innocent, some young girl puts her hand on your shoulder, you step back. You step away. There's no need for there to be contact between a male and a female that are not married. So I'm not talking about shaking hands and, hi, how are you? I'm not talking about that. Obviously, within the context of sensuality. It is good for a man not to such a woman. And you young people, let me just say this. You know, something good for you to study out in, in your Bible time is God's view on fornication. And you know what you'll find throughout the Bible is that God literally has killed thousands of people because of fornication. And you say, well, that's the Old Testament. He sent diseases and he sent plagues to kill people that were fornicating. Let me tell you something. God is sending diseases all across this country to people that are fornicating today. I mean, statistics tell us that 50% of Americans carry sexually transmitted diseases because of fornication. So don't tell me, oh, that was the God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me tell you something. The God of the Old Testament sent plagues and diseases to people that are fornicating, and the God of 2023 is sending plagues and diseases to people that are fornicating. So why don't you just decide to keep yourself pure and be with one woman and be with one man and get married and be happy and have a happy life. And don't bring a bunch of baggage and a bunch of trash into your marriage. It is the sins of the youth that become the addictions and the bondage and the struggles that people struggle with for the rest of their lives. It's why David said in Psalm 25, 7, remember not the sins of my youth. Look, I'm just, I'm just telling you young people, the teen years are a time to be preparing for dating, not dating. 
The teen years are a time to be preparing to be ready. The purpose of dating is marriage. So until you are ready to marry, you should not be dating. And the purpose of the teen years is to be ready for dating, which means to get ready for marriage. You say, what do you think a 15-year-old who really wants a girlfriend should be doing? Uh, He should be learning how to work. He should be saving money. Should be getting a license. Should be driving. Here's what he shouldn't be doing. Spending all his time thinking about a girl. And then he turns 20 years old, can't drive, doesn't have a doesn't have a job, doesn't have anything going for his life. You're not ready for marriage. Let me just break it to you. 13-year-olds are not ready for marriage. 14-year-olds are not ready for marriage. 15-year-olds are not ready for marriage. If you are to reach your full potential, develop a close walk with God, young person. If you are to reach your full potential, develop personal biblical convictions. Decide today that you're going to keep... And look, you're doing yourself a favor. You're doing yourself a favor. It is the sins of the youth that often plague people into their adulthood. And look, you could either decide that I'm going to control myself and I'm going to spend the next seven years from 13 to 19 years old just being disciplined so that I can become an adult that enters into marriage and has a happy marriage for decades... Or you can decide, I'm going to do a bunch of foolish, stupid things for the next seven years between 13 and 19 years old so I can have a bunch of baggage that I'm carrying with me and just is plaguing me for the rest of my life. I'm just, you, you decide. I'm just telling you, if you're smart, you develop some personal biblical convictions. Because many are not. And they're reaping the consequences. Go back to Genesis 39. Number three, we're talking about how to reach your full potential as a teen. You got to develop a close walk with God. You got to develop some personal biblical convictions. Number three, to reach your full potential as a teen, you got to develop a good work ethic. You got to develop a good work ethic. You know, the Bible says that it's good for a young man to, 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 to carry a burden and to, to work hard. In Genesis 39 and verse 22, we have an example of this. This is Joseph. Notice what the Bible says, and the keeper of the prison... Fast-forwarding in the life of Joseph, because remember, Pilate, uh, uh, Potiphar's wife tried to get Joseph to lie with her, and he fled, which was the right thing to do, but he left his garment, and then she used that to say that he attacked her. And now Joseph has not only been sold into slavery by his brothers because of their envy, but now he's been thrown into prison when he's innocent because she lied about him. In Genesis 39, verse 22, the Bible says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And let me just say this about Joseph, because it's something that's interesting to me. You find that Joseph is a young man that just has a good attitude. And if anybody had a reason to be bitter, if anybody had a reason to be angry, if anybody had a reason to be upset, it could be Joseph. If anybody had, look, if anybody had a reason to be the typical rebellious teenager just kind of has a bad attitude, it could have been Joseph, and I wouldn't have even blamed him. 
He gets lied about by his brothers, sold into slavery, lied about by Potiphar's wife, thrown into prison. But you know what you see with Joseph? You see him have a good attitude. Even in prison, he just, the Bible says the Lord is with him. He just does his best wherever he's at. And the Bible says even in prison, whatsoever they did there, he was a doer of it. I think it's funny when young people at Verity Baptist Church have bad attitudes. And you're like, my life is so horrible. You don't know what horrible is. My life is so bad. You are so stupid in even saying that. It's ridiculous. You have parents that feed you, clothe you, care for you, educate you, and bring you to a church. Please don't tell me how bad your life is. We, I can go introduce you to some people that had some bad lives. You're not it. You have no reason to complain. You have no reason to be angry with your parents. You have no reason to do anything. You have no re- You should get on your knees every day and thank God that you were not born to a drug addict. Amen. Thank God that you're not born a- a- to-, to parents that stuck you into some foster system. And if that's you, and I'm not attacking you, if that's you, I- I- I'm not attacking you. I'm just trying to tell the young people, it can be worse. It can be a lot worse. So why don't you fix your attitude and just have a thankful uh, respect for your mom and your dad and your pastor and your pastor's wife Amen. and realize that if Joseph could get thrown in prison and be lied about and smile about it, not smile about it, but smile and have a good attitude, then you can too. I'm sure your life is not as bad as Joseph's was. But I want you to notice that, that, that Joseph had a good work ethic. Whatsoever they did there, he was a doer of it. Go to 1 Samuel 17. Keep your place there in Genesis, 1 Samuel 17. And let me just say this regarding young people. Some of these people ask these questions, you know, how should, should teens be working? And, and let me say this. They should be working at home. Absolutely. Every young person needs to be working. They need to help carry the load of the home. And, you know, they, it's good for young people to learn to work. And, and what does carry the load mean? Carry the load means that they are doing their part to help the household. It does not mean, because this is kind of the trap that people sometimes fall into in churches like ours, where we have, have these large families and, and, and we're homeschooling and all these things. And I'm all for all that. But it does not mean that the teenagers become the mom or the teenagers become the dad. Okay, but it does mean that the teenagers help mom and help dad and help carry the load. Do you understand the difference? So teenagers need to put to work. They need to be working at home. They, they, they need to be developing their ability. They need to be developing responsibility. First Samuel 17, 15. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Notice that these young people in the Bible, they were working. They had responsibilities. And look, obviously there's this odd stage, right, with young people because they're not children, but they're not adults. They're just a young man or a young woman. And I think that young men and young women should work. I think they should work for free at home because they should help carry the load. But I also think that they should work and make their own money, you know, and make some money, especially as they get older. I'm not talking about a 13-year-old necessarily, but as they're getting older, they should be making some money. But this is quite, we, we get asked a lot of questions about this. And, and, and let me just 
talk to the parents real quick, all right? And kind of explain to you some things. Because, you know, th this idea like, well, my teenager's making money now. Should he be paying for something? How does that work or whatever? And obviously, you can do whatever you want. I'm just, I'm just giving you the advice that my wife and I follow in our home and the advice that I've given for years and what's right. You can do whatever you want, but I'm just telling you, do, this is the right thing, and there's the, what I'm telling you, which is the right thing, and then there's everything you do, okay? Uh, I'm not saying what you do is wrong. I'm just telling you I'm right, so what does that leave? You know, you figure that one out. It is your job, mom and dad, to provide for the needs of your children. So what I often say to, young, to parents is this. If you are providing the food and clothing and shelter for your six-year-old, then you should be providing the food and clothing and shelter for your 16-year-old. Now, teenagers sometimes have needs. Or, excuse me, let me say it this way. Sometimes they have wants, right? And what, I, what I'm saying is this. If, if... I'm buying shoes for my, all my children, two, four, six years old, 11 years old, then I'm not going to tell my teenager, but I'm not buying shoes for you anymore. That's ridiculous. But I'm also not going to buy them $150 shoes because that's what they want. And by the way, let me just say this, that's stupid at any age. That's being idiotic at any age. But you say, but, but you, would you let your kids buy $150 shoes? Well, thank the Lord up to this point in, in our lives, we have not raised idiots, so they have not asked for that. But I, here's, here's the honest truth, though. I, this is what I would tell parents. is like, hey, if your kid wants to buy $150 shoes, let him buy $150 shoes. But don't buy them $150 shoes. You understand what I'm saying? I would rather, I, you know, I'd rather try to keep them from doing it. The, the point that I'm making is this. If I'm buying X amount of dollar shoes, then I'm going to tell my teenagers, hey, this is how much I was going to spend on shoes for you. I'll give you that much money, but if you want to spend more, then you add that rest from your work. You understand that? So if, if teens have these needs that require additional expenses, then the teens can cover those expenses by the money they make. But I don't think that 14 and 15-year-olds should be paying rent. I don't, I, I think mom and dad, your job is to provide for the needs of your children. I realize now I'm preaching at the parents and now nobody's happy with me, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to tell you what's the truth. Amen. Provide for the needs of your children. And if they want extra things and other things, then let them pay for that. You understand that? And, and you say, well, do you, I, don't, I don't like it that they spent $150 on shoes. Well, remember last week's sermon, let your kids do things you don't like. Sometimes they're going to do things I don't, we don't like. Let them do things you don't like. Now, do not let them do things that make you not like them. Those are two different things. And what I'm saying is this. You might find that if you tell your teenager, well, you can buy the $150 shoes, but you're going to have to spend the 100 you know, because I was going to spend $50 on your shoes, so I'll give you the 50 bucks, and you can spend the 100 to get those Jordans or whatever. You might find that they're like, eh, you know. <laughs> Been praying about it think these shoes are going to be fine, actually. I'm just saying, help, help your kids develop work ethic. Help, help them learn how to spend money. Let them spend their money. Sometimes we're telling our kids, like, look, you need to start spending some of this money. Okay, you got too much money. 
I'm gonna have to confiscate some of this if you don't start spending. <laughs> and I'm kidding, that is a joke. Do not, is somebody gonna take that and say, Pastor said, no, that is a joke. Do not, do not ever, look, I'm being serious, mom and dad, do not ever take money from your children. That's a bad idea. Do not take, husbands, do not take money from your wives. If somebody gives your wife money for her birthday, do not take that money. That is a bad idea. Mom and dad, do not take money from your children. Somebody gives money to your children, do not take money from your children. That's a bad idea, okay? That was a joke. I just have to say these things, and then I get all this counseling. First Samuel 17. I don't know if you're there. First Samuel 17. Here's number four. We're talking about how to reach your full potential as a teenager. Develop a close walk with God. Develop personal biblical convictions. Develop a good work ethic. Number four, become responsible and trustworthy. Become responsible and trustworthy. Here's 1 Samuel 17 and verse 20. Remember, 1 Samuel 17 is this famous story of David. He's going to go kill Goliath. But he doesn't go there to kill Goliath. He goes there because his dad asked him to go there to check on his brothers. But I want you to notice what David does when he's asked to do this. 1 Samuel 17, 20. And David rose up early in the morning. That's already just a great statement for a young person. But I want you to notice this. And left the sheep with a keeper. Notice that David was not this young person who said, Ah, my dad wants me to watch the sheep, but then he also wants me to go check on my brothers. Which one am I supposed to do? Guess I'll just leave the sheep and let them do whatever, because these guys, it's just too much. Look, David said, hey, I have a responsibility to watch the sheep, and, I, and my dad has also asked me to go take uh, a message and go take some food and provision and go check it on my brothers. So what am I going to do? I don't know. Maybe I have to get up a little early. He rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with, his keep, with a keeper. Notice this was a young man that had responsibility. David was not the, young, the type of... This tells me about David, that he was not the type of young person that had to be reminded every time to take the trash out. Young people, especially young men, listen to me. It is stupid. No, let me say it this way. You are stupid. (laughs) If, 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 every week, every week, you have to be told, take the trash out. Then you take the, then put put a new bag in. Like, really? Do we really have to? Look. You will become the adult that your boss hates if you become the person that has to be told step by step by step. Do you understand that? Grab the bag. Close the thing. You know, uh, tie it up. Walk it to the trash can. Open the lid. Because otherwise you just put it on the trash can. I don't know what happened. Open the lid, put the trash in, close the lid. Come back inside the house, put the back. Really, do we have to really go that level? You say, I don't think it's a big deal. You'll think it's a big deal when your boss hates you. Just learn to think and do things right and not have to be told every step of every little thing. No one told David, hey, someone's got to take care of the sheep when you go check in on your brother. He, David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper. He was responsible. Go to Genesis 39. Genesis 39. I don't think you should be telling people they're stupid. Okay, whatever. Barney, you grew up on Barney. 
some of you are too nice to your kids, so you need someone to just put them in their place. I'm doing myself a favor because I end up being pastor to these people. I end up pastoring these people, and I'm like, I know your parents never corrected you, but I'm not your mom. (laughs) So you're wrong. Genesis 3, 9, 8. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth not, knoweth not what is with thee in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. This was a young man that had some responsibility. He did not have to be micromanaged. He did not have to be told every step. He did not have to be reminded about everything. In fact, Potiphar just said, you run it. He hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Neither hath he kept back anything from me. That is who you want to be, young person. You need to become responsible and trustworthy. And let me just let you in on a little secret, because you're like, I don't like this sermon. You tell me to take the trash out. Let me let you in on a little secret, teenager. If you start taking the trash out without being told, if you start making your bed without being told, if you start taking care of your responsibilities without constantly being told and retold and reminded and remembered and reminded, your parents may actually start thinking like, wow, this guy's becoming a mature young man. They might start giving you some freedom. They, must start, they might start saying, yeah, I, I feel like I can trust you. Go on that trip. Yeah, I feel like I can trust you. Go do that. Go there. The, the, the re- you say, I don't like being treated like a child. Stop acting like a child. They might stop treating you like a child. I, I'm just telling you the truth. Look at Genesis 39, 23. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. That's called Responsibility. Where somebody can just tell you, hey, you take care of this, and then they don't have to just check in and remind you and make sure and look at everything. And you young people need to become responsible and trustworthy. Because look, we're not raising children and we're not raising teens, we're raising adults. So, teens, the more responsible you prove yourself to be, the more likely that responsibility will be given to you. You say, that does not connect with me at all. Okay, well, because here's the thing. Here's what teens want. This is what they all say. Freedom! I want freedom! Let me let you in on a little secret. Responsibility equals freedom. You understand that? Responsibility equals freedom. If your parents feel like they can put you in a vehicle and you're not going to get drunk and paralyze yourself, they might give you the freedom to drive that thing. So the more responsibility you prove your, the more responsible you prove yourself to be, the more likely that responsibility, or let me use a term that connects with you, the more likely that freedom will be given to you. Now let me just say this to parents. You should be looking for opportunities to give more responsibility to your teens. You need to be looking for opportunities where you can give them responsibility and, and see how they do. And let, let me just say this as well to, to, to parents. Go, go to Daniel. Go back to Daniel chapter 1. Parents of teenagers, or if you're not a parent, one day you might have teenagers or whatever. Let, let me just say this. Please do not nag your teens. And, and let, me just, just, let me just say it because it's a common thing. The worst thing you could do for a teenager is these long, drawn-out lectures. 
where it's just like blah, 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 blah for like hours. I'm just, look, I'm just telling you it's the worst thing you could do. For teenagers, the best thing to do is just in two or three sentences, if you need to, I'm not saying do not correct them, I'm not saying that. If you need to correct them, just two to three straightforward, direct, respectable, succinct sentences. Just correct them, correct them in two to three sentences. You say, well, I can't do that. Well, you know, it might require you to sit down. Sometimes when I have to correct, and I'm not just talking about my kids, I'm, I'm talking about anyone. Because I correct a lot of people because I'm a pastor. And I have employees and whatever. Sometimes what that means is that I have to sit down and think through, what do I need to say here? What is actually bothering me? What is the problem here? What, it, what needs to be correct? And then you, you develop these two or three sentences. Then you go to your teenager and just tell them the two or three sentences. Make sure they understand them. Make sure you're on the same page. And let them go. Don't spend an hour lecturing them. That's literally that's the worst thing you can do. You do what you want. But I'm just advising you that that is not a good thing to do with young people. Daniel chapter 1. Number 5. We're talking about... How to reach your full potential as a teen. Develop a close walk with God. Develop personal biblical convictions. Develop a good work ethic. Become responsible and trustworthy. Number five, develop your personal skills and talents. Develop your personal skills and talents. This is the time, young people, to be developing. And here's, I, I just, here's what I believe. And I'm going to say it this way. I think all teens should do this, but I'm going to say Christian teens. Because, you know, the world, teenagers out there are crazy. And it's not their fault. It's their crazy parents. But let me just say, Christian teens should focus on education. You should focus on reading. You should focus on learning. You should be wanting to learn and grow and develop and become intelligent. Let me tell you something. Life is easier for smarter people. <laughs> it's just the truth. I don't know how else to say it. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings if you're dumb. But now, maybe now you know why life has been so hard. You might want to pick up a book and read it. And you might want to start with this one. Amen. But life is easier the smarter you are. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now let me just say this. God gave them that, till, that, that skill and that talent. But like any skill or talent, it not, it, it, it's, it's given to you by God, but it has to be developed. Do you understand that? Someone, athletically, they might have the skills to do things, but they still have to practice. Daniel 1 and verse 20, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times, I love this, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in all his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. The, Daniel and his three friends were smart individuals. They were talented individuals. They had knowledge and skills and learning and wisdom. And when Nebuchadnezzar brought them, and when Nebuchadnezzar talked to them, and when Nebuchadnezzar got to know them, Nebuchadnezzar said, these three, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, he said, these three are ten times better than any other young person I've met. You know what that tells me? That tells me that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, when they met Nebuchadnezzar, they weren't doing this. 
I mean, it tells me that they probably like looked him in the eye, gave him a firm handshake, spoke clearly, articulated thoughts. They weren't the typical teenager, you know. I mean, sometimes I, I go to like restaurants and or in, in fast food places, and there's young people. I mean, literally, you drive up, and it's like a grunt comes through the speaker, like, you know, ah. Like, was that? Did you say something? And sometimes I want to walk up to young people and be like, look, this is how it's supposed to work, okay? I walk in. You look at me. I look at you. You say hi. I say hello. You say, how can I help you? And I say, I'll have a number three. That's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> Instead, I walk in, and they're behind the counter like this. <laughs> and I'm supposed to put my kid in a public school because they don't get socialized. I'm looking, ah, these, these don't look very socialized to me. <laughs> they look like they're filled with drugs and diseases. I want my kids to be 10 times better. You young people, you all decide to be 10 times better. Look, it's not that hard. You just learn to get up early, tuck your shirt in, get a sharp haircut, look somebody in the eye, give them a firm handshake, work hard, don't steal, don't be an idiot, don't have to, just, just, it's not that hard. You'll go to your job and the Nebuchadnezzar at your job will say, wow, this guy's 10 times better. Nebuchadnezzar said they're 10 times better. How do you do that? Work on yourself. Develop yourself. Develop your personal skills. Develop your talents. Develop your communication skills. Learn to speak to people and look people in the eye and and have thoughts and communicate those thoughts. Learn to become an impressive person. It'll help you in life. Develop your personal skills and learning. I think all Christian teens should develop musical skills. I'm not going to, you know, you do what you want with that, but... You see this, David was a cunning player in music, and, and, and I think these are all good things. I'm thankful, I, I'm thankful for the teens that play in the orchestra, and, and all, we've got some great teens around here, and I praise God for it. 1 Samuel 16. First Samuel 16. Here's point number six. To reach your full potential as a teen, prepare for future careers and callings. By the way, let me just say this to you young people. As as your pastor, let me say this. We've had some amazing teenagers come through this church. And I I, I don't even know that I can take credit for it. I mean, I don't think I can take I mean, obviously, I preach sermons like this, so obviously, I hope that helps. But I think a lot of it has to do that we've had some leaders in this church, some young leaders that have set the culture and set the right... You know, they, they've, they've taken heed to some of the things we're teaching, and their parents have done a good job at teaching them. We've had some young kids that are, that are smart, and they serve, and they love God, and they're soul winners, and they work hard. But that could change like that. All it takes is some loser teenager to come in here and start acting like church isn't cool, and soul winning isn't cool, and being a loser is cool. And, and look, I'll be honest with you, I, I keep my eye on it. And if I ever feel like a loser, because we've got losers. We always have losers. Not just teens. Some of you are losers, too. <laughs> but if I ever feel like a loser gets too much influence, you better believe I ste- I'm, I'm going to step into that thing. You, you need to stay in this corner over there and not, not influence others, because I don't need you messing at what... You say, I don't think you saw... A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump is what the Bible says. Because we got a good thing going on here, and I don't need you messing it up. Some of you young people need to just decide that I don't want to be the rotten apple that messes the whole thing up. 
and decide I'm going to be good and I'm going to be 10 times better and I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to influence people to do well. Develop your personal skills and talents. Number six, prepare for future careers and callings. You got to prepare yourself for your future career and calling. 1 Samuel 16, 18, we've already read it, but I want you to see it again. This is talking about David as a young person. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is a cunning in playing, that's his musical skills, and a mighty valiant man and a man of war. This is spoken about a kid, a teenager. He's a mighty valiant man and a man of war. How could you say about a teenager that he's a mighty valiant man and a man of war when he'd never even gone to war yet? How can you say that? Well, he'd killed a lion. And he'd killed a bear. Why'd he kill a lion? Why'd he kill a bear? Because he'd been given a responsibility to take care of his sheep. And he took that responsibility so well that he even killed a lion and a bear who were trying to kill the sheep. So an adult can look and say, I bet that guy would make a good warrior. I'm just telling you that David became one of the greatest kings in the Bible and in history as a military king, had the mighty men who were just ancient elite warriors, but he, he started down that path at a young age. So young people, you gotta be preparing for future careers and callings. You know, you young men, you gotta, you gotta be trying to figure out what you wanna do with life. You gotta be figuring out, do I like mechanics? Do I like construction? Do I like electrical? Do I, do I wanna start a business? Do, do, I, do, I, do I like being an entrepreneur? What do I wanna do? And you don't have to have all the answers right now, but you, you, you start figuring out, what do I want to do? What talents has God given me that I can begin to develop and, 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 be, and turn them into strengths so that I can be a productive member of society? Young lady, same thing. You ought you to gotta be learning. And if you're a young lady and you say, I'd like to get married and have children and, and be a stay-at-home uh, wife and, and, and raise uh, children and homeschool. Hey, praise God for that. I think that's God's will for your life. But that doesn't mean, so therefore I can sit around through my teens and do nothing. I don't know where that idea has came from, but it not came from me. You know, you say, I'm a, I'm a young teenage girl. Learn to cook. Learn to keep a home. Learn to take care, take, take care of a home. And, 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 and I'm not saying that. And that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Let me tell you something, ladies who do that, that's a lot of work. God bless you. Your husband couldn't do that. Your husband has to go run a business somewhere because he can't handle what you're doing. That's the truth. So you young ladies, you learn how to run a home. You learn how, hey, learn to take care of your dad well, you young girls. That's good training to learn how to take care of a husband well. And you young men, learn to honor and reverence and love and protect your mother. That's good training for one day honoring and reverencing and, and loving and caring for a wife. Prepare for the future. Number seven. We'll be done right here. And this is honestly the, probably the most important point in the entire sermon. Second Samuel. You're there in First Samuel if you go over Second Samuel chapter 13. We're talking about how to help. How to reach your full potential as a teen. Number one, develop a close walk with God. Number two, develop personal biblical convictions. Number three, develop a good work ethic. Number four, become responsible and trustworthy. Number five, develop your personal skills and talents. Number six, prepare for future careers and callings.
And then number seven. And I put this as number seven because if you don't remember anything, I want you to remember this one. Develop the right friends. Amen. Develop the right friends. Second Samuel 13, you're probably familiar with the story. I just want to read this first little phrase to you. Second Samuel 13, verse 3. This is the phrase that ruined a young man's life. Amnon. You say, what phrase is it? Is it, what phrase ruined his life? Because you would think, if you, didn't, if you didn't know the verse I was referring to, and I just told you, here's a phrase that ruined a young man's life. You would think that it said, and Amnon developed a drug addiction. And Amnon X, Y, and Z. Here's what it says. But Amnon had a friend. Ruined his life. Amnon had an ungodly desire that he was never going to act on. Amnon had a desire that ended up, when he did act on it, ended up costing him his entire life. Ruined his life, ruined other people's lives. He died as a result. He had a strong, sinful desire that he was not, the Bible is clear about the fact, that he was not going to act on it. He knew it was wrong and he shouldn't do it. You say, what changed? But Amnon had a friend. And he had the wrong friend. And his friend Jonadab influenced him to do the wrong thing. Let me just say this, young people, and you've heard me say it before, but I will continue to say it because I want you to remember it. Your friends will determine the quality and the direction of your life. Good friends will help you become better, and bad friends will destroy you. So develop the right friendships. Make sure, see, this is how young people like to choose friends. Young people like to choose friends based off, based off similarities. We both like fill in the blank. Oh, we're good friends because we both like fill in the blank. That's how most people develop friends. Even adults, that's how most adults develop friendships. Oh, we both like whatever. That is not a good way to develop friendships. You are not to develop friendships based off mutual likes or mutual enjoyments. You have to develop friendships based off of mutual values. Amen. If, if you're going to say, I'm good friends with so-and-so because we both like, make sure the next word in that sentence is Jesus. Amen. Make sure the next word in that sentence is the Bible. Amen. Make sure the next word in that sentence is soul winning. I'm good friends with so-and-so because we both like, you know, one of my cl closest friends in my whole life, honestly, one of my longest standing friends is Pastor Anderson. We've, I, we've been friends since I was 16 years old, and I'm 37 years old now, so we've been friends for a long time, and, and we, uh, we were friends before either one of us was a pastor, we were friends before I was even married. But you know what, what got us to become friends is that we both like soul winning. And we would go soul winning together. And people want to say, say well, I, this soul is my friend because we both like the same kind of music. Well, it, it better be the hymns. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? You cannot leave it to chance who your friends will be because your friends will determine the quality and direction of your life. And this statement could ruin your life, but fill in your name had a friend. If it's the wrong friend, it could ruin your life. So young people, to reach your full potential as a teen, develop the right friendships. 
And I realize for teenagers, friendship is an important thing. And you like your friends and you want to be around your friends and praise God for it. And I think that's good. Just make sure they're the right friends. To reach your full potential as a team, you should develop a close walk with God. You should develop personal biblical convictions. You should develop a good work ethic. You should become responsible and trustworthy. You should develop your personal skills and talents. You should prepare for future careers and callings. And you should develop the right friendships. And by the way, let me say this. Not only is that good for teenagers, it's good for all of us. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for the young people in this church. We really do have some great teens, and I'm thankful for them. Obviously, no teenager is perfect. Everyone has things they could work on. All of us do. That's what this whole series is about, how to reach your full potential, how to help people reach their full potential. And no adult here is perfect, and every adult here has things that we can all work on. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to do that. I pray you'd help these young people to grow up, to love you and serve you. Lord, I, I, I do pray a blessing over all the teenagers in this room today, the 13 to 19-year-olds in this room, that you would be with them and that they would walk with you and that they would do great things for you with their lives. We love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother Matt come up and lead us in a final song. Just want to uh, remind